This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, right down to some early morning frost on the ground. The Christmas trees are up at the Capitol, and the governor's daughter had the honor of firing up the lights at her dad's office. The Florida Supreme Court hears oral arguments as the state attorney general, and both major political parties team up to try to torpedo a constitutional amendment, bringing open primaries to the Sunshine State. Florida's Agriculture Commissioner has some serious concerns about the hiring of a new commissioner at the Office of Financial Regulation, but the governor and the CFO say it's all good. The Florida GOP's biggest fundraiser of the year takes place in Miami Saturday. The governor says it should be one of the party's most successful fundraisers with Donald Trump as the keynote speaker. Just don't ask about the venue yet. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events, and our Florida Man segment features a 70-year-old woman and a 60-year-old man busted for having sex on the sidewalk in front of witnesses, including a child. And now the top stories for Sunrise on Wednesday, December 4th. The fate of a constitutional amendment that would change the way we elect state officials is now in the hands of the Florida Supreme Court. It's called All Voters Vote, and the amendment would open the Florida primary to all candidates and voters regardless of party affiliation. This amendment has already done something amazing by uniting the major political parties. They don't like it one bit. Attorney Robert McNeely represented the Democratic Party at this Florida Supreme Court hearing. The party opposes the amendment because it is misleading in ballot title and ballot summary and because it engages in in long rolling. The problem with the ballot summary is not with what the summary says, but with what it doesn't say. And neither the ballot title nor the summary say that the proposed amendment abolishes party primaries. They don't say that it changes a 106-year-old statutory definition of primary elections. They don't say that the 9.7 million registered voters in Florida who have chosen a party affiliation would lose their ability by direct vote to choose their party nominee for the general election. And it doesn't say that if the political parties still wish to nominate a candidate for this new jungle primary, then the parties must do so through some unknown, undefined, undisclosed process that has never been used since 1913. The Republican Party was represented by attorney Benjamin Gibson. He, too, asked the high court to keep the all-voters-vote amendment off the ballot. As the party of more than 4.7 million Republican voters, we are here today in opposition to the proposed amendment because, as was stated earlier, the ballot title and summary are affirmatively misleading and do not clearly and unambiguously inform the voter of the amendment's chief purpose. I think the reason why this is so misleading Um, And one reason why we're asking the court to deny ballot placement is because the text of the summary differs differs from the text of the actual amendment. And this is this is something this court has warned warned against uh, in wordsmithing. But the justices on the high court did not appear to be buying those arguments about voters being misled. Consider this remark by Justice Alan Lawson. One of the things I'm struggling with is if you have a basic understanding of how we do things in Florida and if you actually vote, you do and you read this summary and give it a few seconds of thought, you're going to realize the implications of it, it seems to me. And and I'm just struggling as to why that's not true. I mean, it explains what it does, it seems, accurately. The summary explains what the proposed text does accurately. And, And the implications should be clear to anybody who has a basic knowledge of the way we vote now. 
The all-voters-vote amendment was drafted by Glenn Burhans, who appeared before the high court to defend his work and to, frankly, take a little credit for bringing the rival parties together by giving them a common enemy. If nothing else, at least all voters voters united the Republicans and Democrats in common cause, and perhaps there's hope for the Republic after all. Um, so I'm happy about that. Unfortunately, the common cause they're united in is to perpetuate a primary system that disenfranchises nearly 3.7 million registered Florida voters merely because they haven't joined a political party. This is all about the plain language of the amendment. Uh, the, the, the ballot summary. Um, it clearly describes what that change is going to be. Yes, there is big change. Voters are asked to change the primary system as we currently know it. Okay, fine. But they're told how that's going to happen. All voters will vote regardless of party affiliation. The candidates will appear on that ballot, including party nominated candidates, if we have them in the future. Um, and that's left to the legislature. And then the, the rest of the process is laid out. It says all voters vote in these designated elections, regardless of party affiliation. All candidates appear on the ballot, including party nominated, the top to advance, and so on and so forth. So that is the chief purpose. You are opening up elections to voters who are currently prohibited from participating in them. Backers of the amendment have already collected enough signatures to appear on the ballot next November. And in past cases, the court has been reluctant to block amendments before the public has a chance to vote. But it still takes 60% of the voters to approve an amendment like this, and that will not be easy. A poll released back in October showed support was below 50%. The governor and the chief financial officer are defending their decision to hire Russell Weigel, a securities dealer from Coral Gables, as the new commissioner of the Office of Financial Regulation. The old commission was forced out after being accused of sexual harassment, and the process of picking a replacement went on for more than six months. But Governor Ron DeSantis says they made the right choice. Yeah, I mean, I just I think I liked his 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 experience. Obviously, um, given how the, what had happened with the original uh, appointee, we just wanted to make sure that this was you know going to be a smooth leadership. I actually think it's run a lot better since we got rid of the other guy just in the interim, to be honest. Um, but but that was it. So understanding the, the issues, which I think he did, uh, but then being somebody that could actually manage um, the organization. So uh, I think uh, I think that that was kind of the consensus from uh, from from the, the cabinet. But it was not a unanimous decision. The only Democrat on the cabinet, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, refused to support Weigel and abstained from voting. Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas says that was a mistake. I think what the commissioner did was just a, uh, unfortunately, just a, a rookie move. There's there's a, an opportunity to, to serve the state of Florida. She had opportunity to cast a vote. Uh, she decided to abstain. I don't think she probably realized she had to vote. So anyway, I think I think it was just a, a mistake on her part, not uh, fully, you know, thinking through what was what was her obligations. But look, it's all good. We move forward. We're going to have a new leader of that office, and OFR will have a, a, a new opportunity to serve the citizens of the state. For they've been doing an amazing job. There's incredible employees there. Now it's time to give them a full-time commissioner. But Commissioner Freed is sticking to her guns on this one. She says the selection process went on way too long and it should have been more transparent. Freed also says she's not confident that the most qualified applicants were among the finalists. And she wonders why there was no discussion about why the governor wanted to appoint Weigel before they voted. The Republican Party of Florida's biggest annual fundraiser will take place in Miami Saturday. But as of yesterday, well, officials with the party had yet to announce the venue where Donald Trump will serve as keynote speaker. That does not phase the governor. Ron DeSantis is predicting the 2019 Statesman Dinner will be a very successful event with virtually all of Florida's Republican leaders in attendance. This dinner that we're doing Saturday, obviously the president's going to be there. 
I think it's going to raise like way, way more than they've been able to do on this in, in the most recent years. Uh, you not only have the president coming, you have both U.S. senators, I think every congressman or most congressmen from the from the Republican delegation, all the legislative leaders will be there. So it should be, should be a good event. Well, I think we've done way better than people thought we'd do and way better than they have done recently for sure. And actually, we still have people that want to participate um, even now. I mean, one thing that's challenging is when you have a presidential visit, um, I can't put this out two months, three months in advance. It's just not the way it works. And so, uh, but I think it'll be good. The Statesman's dinner was originally scheduled last month, but the party had to postpone because Trump had not committed to the event at that time and tickets were not selling. Next up, they're decking the halls at the state capitol. But first, let's pay some Christmas bills. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. A lot of people give their opinions on politics and not just the talking heads on cable news. Everyone has an opinion. Sometimes a gentleman's wager can be the best way to tell how much someone believes their own spin. That's why you should check out what Predicted is doing. Predicted is like the stock market, but for politics. Instead of buying and selling oil futures, you can buy and sell shares in everything from who the Democratic nominee will be to if the president will be impeached. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas in the Florida capital. The Bavarian Christmas tree farm of Tallahassee has donated several Carolina sapphire trees to make things more festive in the building. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed presented one of those Florida-grown trees to Governor Ron DeSantis. He, in turn, had his first daughter, Madison, place the first ornament and light the tree. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. It's certainly an honor to be part of this time-honored tradition. Um, as we know, there's about 16,000 trees that are grown here, uh, here in the state of Florida, from 140 different farmers, including this beautiful uh, Cal- uh, Carolina sapphire tree. And we have the owners of Bavarian uh, Farms here. Thank you so much. Uh, Franco and Sigrid Camacho. Um, so, Governor, I would love to present the 2019 uh, Capital Tree to you and to the First Lady. Oh, wow. uh, it's a beautiful tree. We actually have an additional, a little bit of a tradition. So, if you wanted, we want wow. to present you okay. some, some Hanukkah menorah nice. um, ornaments. Yes, absolutely. The tree. Good. So thank you again for for this honor to be part of this tradition and really want to just encourage everybody to not only um, have fresh from Florida trees in their homes, but make sure that that's what you're actually putting on your tables is fresh from Florida food. So thank you, Governor. Thank you so much. And thanks for for doing that. Beautiful tree. We really appreciate it. All right. We have this ornament here is at the governor's uh, mansion. So we have that there. I think people can purchase it. You want to put it on the tree? Okay, put it on put it on the branch right there. There you go. Oh, almost. <laughs> Let me help you. Let me help you. I'll help you. Okay. There we go. That's a good one. Okay. Let's do another one. Where do you want to do this at? Why don't we do it over here? How about right here? Is that okay? okay let me help you. Let me help you. Man, this is the real deal. This tree. All right, we'll put the other ones on now. Madison's gonna light up the tree. You gonna push the button? Here, come here. Okay, so you push that button right there. Yay! Good job. All right. Yeah, you did it. See all the lights? See what you did? Good job, Madison. 
All right. Well, thanks, everybody. This is wonderful. So I trust we'll get this thing all decorated by pretty soon. Everyone will bring in some stuff. We got a couple more up here. And, and then uh, Madison and will subsequently take them all down. <laughs> we do have, there's a bunch of trees in the mansion. They decorated really nicely. There's a lot of gifts, but they're all phony, they're fake, they're decorative gifts, they're not real gifts. So she wants the real thing, and so she's always trying to figure out where her presents are, and her presents aren't there yet. We tried to explain to her that she needs to leave milk and cookies out for Santa if she wants to get presents, so that's what she's going to do. That'll be the first Christmas that I think she really understands Santa coming down, coming down the chimney, so we're looking forward to doing that. This will be the first Christmas at the Governor's Mansion for the first family. Your calendar of events today includes the Florida Supreme Court meeting at 9 a.m. to hear arguments in four cases, including an appeal by death row inmate Daniel Jacob Craven, who was convicted in the 2015 murder of a fellow inmate at Graceville Correctional Institution. The Claims Committee of Citizens Property Insurance Corporation will hold a conference call at 10 this morning. That includes updates on claims from Hurricane Irma, roof and property reporting, litigated claims, assignment of benefits, and the Florida Hurricane Catastrophe Fund. And last on your calendar of events, the Revenue Estimating Conference meets at 2 this afternoon to talk about the amount of tax money being collected from slot machines and Indian gaming. And it's time once again for the amazing adventures of Florida Man, the superhero of the Sunshine State. Police in Sanford say a boy and his friends were playing with Nerf guns when a 30-year-old Florida man decided to join with a real gun. Investigators say Anthony Newth was drinking Southern Comfort and beer when he pulled the trigger on a 22 caliber rifle, kneecapping a 7-year-old boy. The boy's mom thought he'd been wounded with a BB, so she took him to the hospital in a taxi. Doctors told her there it was a bullet, not a pellet, and the youngster would need surgery to remove the fragments. Newth is charged with child neglect with great bodily harm and using a weapon while under the influence of alcohol. And finally, a 70-year-old Florida woman and her 60-year-old Florida man are busted for having sex on the sidewalk in front of a theater in downtown Clearwater in view of a 12-year-old child. The victim told police that Susan Rossillo was on her back with her legs in the air and no pants on while she gave Robert Kellogg a handjob. He admitted having sex in public and apologized to officers, but she refused to cooperate and demanded a lawyer. Court records describe the Florida couple as homeless. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics. We're back tomorrow with a fresh batch of all things Florida.